Welcome to the Aussie Warrior podcast and uh, I'm delighted Sam Birmingham, an old friend of mine, has uh, come out on a lazy Perth afternoon and a, a great to have a chat. Um, Sam, we haven't caught up for a while, but welcome. Good to see you, Nick. Yeah. Um, you are a man of uh, many talents and uh, you wear a number of different hats and uh, you've you've done a lot in your uh working life and uh, family life and uh, community life. And uh, I know you through football, um, community football, I guess we could describe it as. Yep. I was uh, sort of roped into a committee for a junior football club, mighty uh, West Coast Junior Football Club. And we were very lucky that um, there were some really good people, not the least of all yourself, uh, running the West Coast Cowan club at the time, now the West Coast Amateur Footy Club, yep. and uh, we just, um, we had some great people doing some good things for community footy, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. What uh, what, what what was your journey down to uh, City Beach Oval and West Coast Amateurs? The footy one's an interesting journey because I'd, I never played it, always liked it as a spectator, um, never played it at all, like not even kick or anything. Um, all my junior sport was cricket, community cricket, you know, district levels, squads, etc., um, and hockey in the winter. And it was both, especially cricket was, you know, like 10 days a week. Hockey was five days a week. Um, at the end of school, I had a knee reconstruction, I think first year uni. So I'd been a wicketkeeper for cricket all these years, knee was stuffed, had a knee recon and um, had time off sport. And I promise this will get back to footy. But essentially, um, you know, that means then what I used to do every week, every, you know, afternoon, had clean air. And, um, you know, a year went by and I, I wasn't going to play cricket again because the knee was stuffed. And um, some mates tapped me on the shoulder and just said, oh, why don't you come down to the footy club? And I probably they probably got me at the right time um, in the sense that, you know, enough time had passed and I realised there was a void. Yep. <laughs> um, they probably just desperate for players. Yep. <laughs> um, we were never never a deep club. And I came down um, and learned a little bit about how to play footy, but mainly off-field, I guess. Um, I think it's probably in the DNA. Um, parents both being from the regions, um, country towns, I think there's probably, I didn't know it, but a bit of volunteering, just mindset in there. And the, you see something that needs to get done, you just do it mindset. Um, so, yeah, I, I played all of... I reckon less than 20 games over, I think, about 10 years at the club. Yeah. Um, for various reasons, ability, injury, et cetera. Um, but would always do other roles. And, um, yeah, it turns out met, you know, I already had a lot of mates down there who were the ones who sort of pulled me down um, and then met um, a bunch more friends, um, you know, some of whom go on to become your best mates and, you know, best men at your weddings and introduce you to your wife and all that sort of stuff. So... Um, yeah, it was one of those probably sliding doors kind of scenario. Mm. Funny you say that because I played rugby at school and rowed. Yep. Um, and uh, after school I kept rowing. I thought rugby was just too tough a sport for me to uh, go and play uh, at an amateur level, but I really enjoyed rowing. And yeah. probably like like uh, a similar story to yours, I just found at an early age I got roped into the odd committee and um, – I sort of had that feeling, well, if you're going to be down around the shed or around the sport, well, you kind of want to be involved because you want, th you know, good things to happen. Yeah. And perhaps uh, maybe even naively some ideas about how things should run. Yep. Um, 
So I ended up on some rowing club committees and then later in life, you know, lo and behold, the um, kids start playing footy. My, my eldest boy was a young Oz kicker down at West Coast and um, next thing you know, you're sort of running the Oz kick and then president of the junior footy club and you, you feel like uh, a bit of an imposter in some ways because you think there's people with um, far more, uh, uh, you know, credentials and background in the sport. But... Yeah. Um, I think like a lot of things in life, if you're um, willing to uh, roll your sleeves up and sometimes coming to things somewhat uh, ignorantly and, yeah. and being willing to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not a high-level footballer by any stretch of the imagination, it, it kind of doesn't do any harm. Yeah, I actually reckon it can be an advantage in some senses. Like particularly use community sport or sport generally as an example. Um, sport by definition is, win- is, by definition is winners and losers. Yeah. And if you've played that sport, you kind of all you've grown up doing is wanting to win. Yeah. Um, and then when you go and I mean, yes, you can still love the sport as a spectator or whatever, or like sport generally, but you don't have a dog in that fight per se. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you can maybe see a little bit bigger. And that yeah. was definitely, I think, my strength was never the on field, um, but the off field. I was able to realise where we weren't great yeah. at all or good even. Yeah. Um, and spend my time on what I was good at. Mm. Um, and learn a bunch along the way. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you don't go into those roles wanting to get X, Y, or Z out yeah. of it, but I sort of looked back and realised, and even if I'm doing, like, interviews for, you know, a new job or something, all of the stories I would tell about, you know, tell me a scenario about when you've done A, B, or C, yeah. actually all the good ones are from the community sport. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's where you learn all of these, like, intangible life skills and you kind of learn them for free. Yeah, and I think... Um you know, many communities, and I think um, maybe we've lost a little bit of it, but over time um, a lot of our communities have been built around community clubs, haven't they, and associations. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when you join a club, it's about the sport, but then it's about the people, isn't it? And um, yeah. you sort of realise the sport sometimes is a bit of a glue and an excuse to get people together yep. and they become your mates or your friends or, you know... Yeah. Um, people you'll go and do other things with. Um, I I got lucky and met my wife through rowing. Um, a lot of my good mates I've met, you know, great mates like yourself through the uh, through football. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all these chance encounters with um, people and uh, an opportunity to get to know each other and sometimes to work on projects or mm. chase a goal. And um, you know, you really find. The strengths of other people, don't you, when you work on those things? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, like elements of serendipity, I think. And then because you go into it never knowing where it's going to lead, it leads yeah. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, and then because you're zigging and zagging as yeah. the people you meet, and then the, the others they introduce you to, or the experiences you go to, whether positive or negative, yeah. you know, you have to react to it. Yeah. So, I mean, specifically for us, we uh, for our sins ended up working on a couple of projects, didn't we? One uh, was the redevelopment of uh, our local oval uh, yep. club rooms down at City Beach Oval. And Still got you, the scars. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we've all got some. And I, I, I know if I've got any, yours would be a, uh, a uh, sort of 10x factor of mine. But, um, uh, you know, coming back to the start, I think what, what struck me about you, Evan, as a young man was your um, your integrity and your capacity to get things done yep and uh you know even i guess what are we talking 2012 11 
So we're sort of yeah. more than 10 years ago. But, it's um, incredible to think how long ago it is. Yeah, I mean, you're sort of on the face of it, you think, oh, no big deal, you're redeveloping some local community club rooms. But um, there was complexity, wasn't there? I uh, you know, had a few years working under my belt and I've worked on a, a range of different projects and activities and um, some of those were hard. Yeah. But, um, gee, there were some uh, head-scratching meetings and discussions we had, didn't we, just because of the uh, yeah. the range of stakeholders and yeah. people involved and try to juggle money yep. uh, in times where certain stakeholders didn't have any. Mm. Um, wasn't wasn't a walk in the park, was it? No. I mean, I still, and I don't want to start on a negative with the story, still look back and, you know, have, I guess, regrets about, you know, if only in hindsight we'd done X, Y, or Z. But, um, yeah, again, like amazing learning experience to – um, navigate over what was probably like five or more years of ins and outs and different versions and different stakeholders coming into the table and different deals getting spun up. And yeah, it's, it is kind of doing, it was doing deals and all these little concepts yeah. and um, everyone's got an idea. Uh, but obviously you're trying to deal with, with council, with budget cycles, with state government funding requirements, yeah. with yeah various stakeholders of different, yeah, like you said, financial levels or needs or wants and, um, I think what we were lucky and and fortunate and probably made our own good fortune. I think when, when it fo- the rubber finally hit the road because we had continuity of those relationships for a few years. Yeah, true. Like you, you um, yeah, you can get so far and then someone will leave. You know, the person at the council will go to a different role or yeah. one of the club presidents moves on or whatever. But we all had probably a three-year yeah. window, I reckon, where we yeah. had that continuity. And, and before you know it, everyone kind of can muck in and the – yeah, <laughs> all and the engines point in the same direction, and off you go. And we, when you sort of, uh, you know, the senior footy club are all pulling the same way. We certainly were from the junior side. We knew the cricketers were, you know, doing what they could to yep. uh, put their shoulder to the wheel. Um, but I guess, uh, notwithstanding the scars and bruises, you know, we ended up with a new facility or yeah. a kind of new facility. Yep. And um, you know, some beautiful playing lights down there, which um, again, you see some of the. Um, Sporting clubs now that want other lights or redevelopment, and um, none of it's easy, is it? You uh, nah. you'll get local community groups um, objecting; they don't like the light, or they don't like the nighttime activity. Yeah, um, it's so um, well, yeah. No, I reckon we were lucky, and I reckon if that project was done differently, it would have cost everyone a hundred or more thousand dollars more <laughs> yeah um but we managed i think maybe because we had the, a bit of runs on the board with the yeah. club room and momentum and, and we we're all again pulling in the same direction but we managed to get that one up pretty quickly um incredibly timely because even now i know that they well at that club for example both both clubs senior and junior they club together this year i think i don't know if they got approved but they want to do a second round of lights you know the top oval as oh, well yeah because they were already that. at capacity with the bottom oval yeah. so imagine if hadn't managed to get that off the ground. Like. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I think now with uh, female football Spot, and yeah. in the case down there, girls playing on Friday nights, yep. um, it's uh, all the grounds are in high demand, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, flat out and across all grounds. And that's sort of what I see a lot in my – where I've gone sort of post-West Coast Amateurs, president of the Perth Football League now, and that facility is one of the, yep. the biggest themes we talk about. Yeah, I'm um, sure. Along with umpiring, which I know is close to your heart as well. Um but, yeah, the, the growth of female footy has completely changed the game. Um, obviously, cricket to a degree as well, I think, with sort of you know, ballooning numbers there in female participation. But, 
we used to think we had maybe enough ovals as a yep. as an industry or as a community, yep. and all of a sudden you add, you know, forty percent more players to mm. it. Training, training times, yep. game times. Um, a lot of our, our clubs are running games essentially from you know they used to run f- three in a day. Now they're running five or even six wow. sets of games in yep. a day. Yeah. Um, so you're flat out from. 8.30 in the morning until yep. 8.30 at night. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating. Big demand. And on the um, – back to your days at West Coast uh, Cowan or yeah. West Coast yeah. Amateur Football Club, it, it struck me at the time that as a amateur football club, really just for young men in those days, that you and your uh, friends or, you know, colleagues, I guess, that were running the club mm. – um, even though you're kind of relatively quite young, it seemed to me that you're, you were positioning that club um, for the future in the sense that you're ahead of your, ahead of your, the time, really, weren't you, in, dare I say, sort of cleaning up yep. a lot of the vestiges of, um, uh, you know, perhaps some old of the uh, old-school parts of amateur yep. footy. Yeah. Um, because I think normally uh, a junior club and a, a men's amateur football club well, yeah, that sure they both play football and they probably want the best for each other, but there's uh, they're probably going to be unlikely bedfellows, aren't they? Yeah. Whereas we found you guys were um, great neighbours and and much more than sort of neighbours. You're a you know big big brothers in a lot of way and um, put a lot back into the junior club. Mm. <clears throat> and it was um, you know you the the club was sort of uh, very user friendly and. Um, Female friendly before really there was female football, mm. uh, so I imagine you would have been, you know, very well placed when you decided to, or perhaps a little after your time. But the boys that followed when they went down the path of having a female football team, yeah, I reckon it definitely was um, sort of implied foundations, if you like. Yeah. Um, I think to maybe try link that with with the earlier discussion, like one of the. You don't necessarily know it at the time, but one of the great things about being volunteering on a community club, if you've got the time and the right people, is you can. It's essentially like strategic planning for a business. Like if you do it wrong at a, and I shouldn't say wrong because we all do it, but the temptation at a sporting club or volunteering anywhere is, you know, do all the doing, yep. and then you think about that kind of business saying of my working on the business or yep. in the business. Yep. <laughs> um, and I think we and it started a bit more before my time, but had a few bit more strategic level discussions around who we wanted to be mm. um, and we're probably also a little bit lucky that that little catchment there is really quite densely serviced you've got huge big university clubs down the road you've got really big historical clubs just up the street you've got three or four in the little quadrant that's from where we were at city yep. beach down to the river and, yep. and in um, and then you've got some big powerhouses just to north so we had to sit there and say how are we going to be different and we ended up and again it wasn't super strategic but um landing on well there's a bit of a different vibe around here we want to be a family club um so that was sort of i think through raka who you know yep. and isaac jury who was my predecessor and um yeah that then led to a few things about you know what behaviors do you want to shoot for what environments do you want to create how do you want to go about doing things we, we created um really like a volunteer culture where it was just yep. expected you didn't it was your club yeah <laughs> but that meant taking some pride in it and some ownership and if you wouldn't sort of stand for it at your own house, then yep. why would you do it at your club? So, you know, you clean up after yourself, you do a few of those things. Um, and I do think that probably set a bit of the foundation that then when, yeah, when female footy came along after my time, the club was ready to go and had all of the, um, I guess, the cultural piece already in place. Yep. 
and yeah, in their first couple of years were well, they were the second club to get to two two women's teams. Wow. Made the grand final in the first year. Um, probably should have won it. Um, but yeah, they've then sort of stayed in that A grade level ever since. So yeah, great. Yeah, I reckon a bit of that. Yep. comes through. Oh, well, well very lucky. Uh, as you as you mentioned, there were some great great people down there. You had some good guys on the senior footy club, and we had uh, a good committee with people like Murray and yep. um, still see Murray every now and again. Yeah, at the coffee good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, and um, yeah, all, uh, all 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 some very good people. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved in the Perth Football League? Or I yep. think back then, did we just call it the WA Amateurs? Yeah, it was called... Uh, so, yeah, I was elected to the board. Um, so I'd been at the club, at footy club, for I think probably a decade or so, president. Um, and there was a few of myself and other presidents who were sort of in discussions generally. In a, in a actually started from a bit of a workshop the league was running, trying to get feedback from clubs around some some elements of the comp. And a few of us sort of came together and said, well, we will here feel like there needs to be a bit more change than yep. <laughs> we're shooting for here. Um, and ended up essentially saying, well, I'll have a crack at the board. So I went in from, um, yeah, from off the board and ran for president and was elected. Um, so I went straight in from the outside to being the president of what was then called the WA Amateur Football League. Um, and, yeah, I mean, not, not flying blind, but kind of like, Learning a lot as I went, really. Yeah. I'd, I'd been a president of a local footy club, but this is another yeah. level up, peak body sort of thing. Um, but yeah, over, I'm now just finished the seventh season of that, um, which is certainly more than I ever contemplated, but I've quite enjoyed it. But we rebranded a couple of years into the Perth Football League um, for a few reasons around just repositioning and um, and so on. And, and in hindsight, I think there was a few other timely elements with that, with women's football growing yeah. and so on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, seven years into what will end up being a nine-year term for that. Amazing. Um, so, And what what was your main beef with amateur football? Was it, I know uh, there were some concerns about some of the fighting and violence. Um, yeah, at the time it them? was, um, the, the sort of catalyst for the discussions was around, yeah, the, the, the single word was kind of integrity, which you used yeah. earlier. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of what do we stand for? And yeah. I think there was probably a, a groundswell of, of newer, younger presidents coming through who maybe saw things a bit okay. differently. Um, and, yeah, as much as I probably would have loved to be still be at my club because that's where your connections yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, stepped into the role. And then once I got into it, I guess started learning more and more. And I like the, um, the scale of it now because you can have great impact at your club amongst the 150 or 250 yeah. people you get to kind of work and develop a culture with. But the league itself is huge. We've got 71 member clubs. Um, you spread from Yanchip to Mandra to Ellenbrook to Armadale. Yeah, amazing. Um, 317 teams it was this year. So all of a sudden it starts opening your eyes about how big the sport is. Yeah. And this maybe comes back to the conversation earlier as well. Because, again, for me it was never about the footy per se. That was sort of the, the vehicle or the distraction to yeah. get the community impact yeah. and the, you know, the culture, the social connection, the mental health, mm. physical health, all the other stuff. Um, so... Yeah, through the role, I guess I get to see a bit more of that, or a lot more of that bigger picture now. Yep. Um, and, yeah, we've been through a couple of rounds of, you know, strategic evolution with rebranding, women's footy, um, yeah, changing our positioning, big focus on changing the commercial model of the league. Okay. Um, which is now just starting again the gears to, to really crank up, which is good fun. Yeah, so, right. Um, yeah, it's a, um, again, another great learning experience. I really find it quite... 
it's where I sort of do probably my professional development, if you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Working with some good people. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, you ride a lot of bumps along the way. You do special projects which yeah. you grind through and yeah. they turn out to be, um, you know, you either get it right or, yeah. or not. But Why when you get work? it right, it's really, yeah, yeah, it's impactful. So And uh, working closely with the Football Commission, are they a good, good support for the uh, Perth Football League? Yeah, so we're an affiliate of the Footy Commission. Um, I think have a very constructive relationship. Um, our staff are based out of their office. Okay. Um, we make up 17 or 18% of their participation story. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, podcasts for another day maybe, but they've had yeah. their own sort of challenges yeah. and, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, situations where I think we've kind of worked together mm. well, but also we're passionate, you know, pretty proud advocates too. You know, yeah. we'll, <laughs> we'll make the case. Yeah. We'll always support. Yeah. Um, but that's been a really interesting experience too because you're talking then, you know, government advocacy, big picture, yeah. whole of industry um, and, and really big potential reforms yeah. if people can yeah, pull them off together. It is a uh, very, very large, complex industry, isn't it? An emotional industry yeah, as well. Sure. <laughs> sure. I've seen that. Uh, well, I'm sure you've seen uh, plenty behind the scenes too. A little bit. There's, a bit, there's what goes on. On the field, isn't there, and uh, on the edges of the field. Yeah. I often think what, what happens on the edges of the field is uh, probably uh, spicier than on the field, and um, that's a yeah. uh, similar... Uh, Passion can achieve great things and also can... Yes. <laughs> cloud a lot, cloud, too. cloud a lot of thinking, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you feel like uh, the, the actual game itself and the way the game day format works for the amateurs is in good shape? Yeah, I reckon... I think we can explore change. My sense is clubs are willing to um, think differently. And, again, yeah. I think it's been one of those like um, positive second effects or knock-on effects of, like, women's footy. No one would have imagined 10 years ago, you know, what was happening now and how different a Saturday would look or a week-to-week would look. Um, I've got some ideas that I don't want to uh, colour anyone's thinking with, but I think... Yeah, once you just think about what's the purpose of this, what am I trying to achieve, yep. and who are the different audiences we cater to, um, you can start imagining it looks pretty, pretty different. There's little things like AFL nines that you know the industry's tried, and we had down at City Beach, you know, midweek under lights, yep. maybe bringing, you know, parents together or different teams to do something a bit different, making footy accessible to to more people. That's something, yep. um, but everything from kind of you know, rules and lengths of games and frequency of games. Like over time we have to kind of put everything on the table, at yeah. least to decide if it yeah. still should stay on the table. Yeah. Um, but even like there'll be curveballs thrown at us. I mean, COVID threw a cur- curveball. Yeah. And what we learned out of that was when people didn't get it, they really missed it. <laughs> and all of a sudden this nine-week season that we were able to get up in the first year was brilliant because everyone was like, how good is this? You know, I can game. still, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, less injuries, yeah. we're all working, we have yeah. a great time. Yeah. And it's it's run and done. Yeah. Um, probably an opportunity to learn, um, you know, through necessity what, what, what can work. Yeah, exactly. And I could imagine in the future, and some of it might come out of necessity um, or innovation if you like, but does a footy season need to be that we all play each other twice? Yeah. Like we always thought, yeah. you know, maybe there are different ways of, yeah. of doing things. And ev- every um, sport's going through the same issues and challenges, yeah. aren't they? Working out what, what's the right format and, uh, yeah. um, you know, all sorts of different drivers, yeah, commercial or, or uh, at a participation level. Yeah, exactly. And again, it all comes back to kind of what's the purpose? Who are we serving here? Yeah. 
and in what you know in what capacity? What itch do they need scratched? <laughs> After that sort of first shortened season, did you find the numbers uh, came back strongly, or uh, has it taken a little bit of rebuild? We had out of COVID. Um, I think a very good decision that we made, which helped numbers. So our numbers actually held steady during COVID. Yep. Like literally didn't drop a team. It's amazing. Um, but the reason was we, we rated the rainy day fund essentially. Okay. So the league said we'll make it nominal entry fee to put a team in this year. Yeah, right. Um, so all of a sudden participation held flat, uh, held steady. Yep. Um, and then the next year bounced straight back. Whereas I know the rest of the industries, I think still maybe a tiny bit behind in terms of numbers from there. Whereas we're up net, I think it's sort of 15 or 17% since. Yeah. Um, so it, it absolutely links to the growth of women's and other things, but I think a little bit was we maintained continuity. I know certainly that was a huge challenge in country footy yep. where half of the leagues were not able to get a season up and, and the other half did. Yeah, okay. And I don't have full visibility yep. on the data, yep. but I think you'd find that the ones that lost that continuity, yeah. you know, you lose the volunteer or the one or two volunteers or the couple of players yep. who decide, you know, they won't, you know, the coach had to yeah. call at the start of last year to say, Go around one yeah. more year, mate. You know, yeah. we need you. Yeah. And then, okay, I've got some break. clean air. I'm probably done now. <laughs> break, break the string. Yeah, yep. So. Um, I've got a uh, uh, couple of young umpires that I know well coming yep. through the ranks. Yeah. Uh, junior footy and amateur footy. Yeah. Uh, how have you seen the umpiring over the last few years? Umpiring is the – so – of the probably kind of three biggest challenges, I reckon, that are in the industry, and this is as a whole, probably nationwide, you've got supporting volunteers and some structural trends yep. there and challenges. You've got facilities, um, you know, particularly with the growth of women's footy. Yes. But that's grounds, lights, club rooms, yep. um, and change rooms particularly, and you've got umpiring. Um, and I reckon they're the three biggest challenges. And, yeah, when I think about that, We've had a bit of a probably kind of nice strategic rethink or at least challenged status quo a little bit around, you know, it was easy to always tell the growth story. Yep. You do it in business. You do yep. it, you know, it's what we see on the news with yep. economies yep. and everything else. Everyone wants to see up the by X percent. Points up and to the right. Yeah, exactly. And um, all of a sudden sort of reframe the conversation around sustainable growth mm. because growth can't keep going up, you know, essentially exponentially yep. when you've got, natural constraints around facilities, for example. You can only have so many games on so many ovals and so many days of the week. Yep. So there's an upper bound. Yep. Um, volunteers, well, they can only put in so much time, yep. so there's a constraint. But yep. then probably the biggest and most acute one, I reckon, could be umpiring because mm. you need, you know, ideally at least two fieldies, a couple of boundaries yep. and a couple of goal umpires per game. Yep. It's an incredible... Um, you know, ratio of people you yeah. need to get a footy game up. Yeah, it's a highly officiated <laughs> um, game, isn't it? Yeah, really officiated. So all of a sudden, if you've got that constraint, you can only mathematically get as many games as, you know, number of yeah. umpires times yeah. by number of games they're able to umpire each weekend, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, divided by two, mm. that's the maximum number of games. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you, um, you want to keep kind of the up and to the right yeah. story going or giving people a chance to participate... Yeah. You need to make sure the umpires are there. You've got to bring um, them in and keep them in, don't you? Hopefully yeah. For a, a long, long period of time. Yeah, and it's exactly like a business challenge. You think about, you know, you've got customers. You need to yeah. acquire yeah. umpires, get them interested in the first place. So how does someone find out it's a pathway that might appeal to them? Yeah. How do you kind of help them convert, get mm. them into the tent, <laughs> yeah. give them, you know, their first go, um, and then retain them? 
and you know keep them in the system. I think yeah, some of the stuff I've learned from probably almost my first year. So there's a there's a independent club, Perth Football League, what they were then called the WA Amateur Football League Umpires Association, and you start understanding from them, you know, why. And it was the same. They're a club, so okay, this is interesting. These are people who have a common interest around footy, but particularly yeah. the element of umpiring. So okay. Let's try find out what <laughs> yeah. gives them that sense of attachment and yep. purpose. Yep. Um, yeah, and then you've got these kind of the bigger, the whole of industry structural challenges when the AFL even sort of says, yeah, we've got umpiring issues, as they did. Um, I think they said a shortfall, and I'll get the number wrong, but I feel like it was sort of 9,000 umpires short. Oh, wow. You know, nationally, or 6,000 yeah, perhaps right. it was. That was 2021. And I think as a rule of thumb, if they're coming out saying there's an issue, yeah. then there's a real issue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, they're pretty good at sort of managing the media and other things. But mm-hmm. that one, um, yeah, that was kind of a red flag yeah. to me. And again, as games keep going up. <laughs> and I understand with the new TV rights deal, there's um, perhaps some more money going to uh, fall away of umpire development and, uh, um, you know, s- uh, support and fostering their training and um yeah, uh, on and off the field. Yep, yeah, definitely. I think they've now got resources in each of the states that they're funding through that. Um, I think the other fascinating thing, as much as we all might have liked to whinge about it when we're watching the footy, yeah. I actually reckon it's great that they had, you know, some of the new rules around umpire abuse and things because, mm. again, you've got, to do a, you've got to do the hard work to get yeah. people interested. Why would anyone put their hand up to try this thing when they go to, well, Subiaco yeah. Oval previously or now the stadium and hear people calling them yeah. yellow maggots? Like, yeah. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to change like a whole society perspective of umpiring. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned rugby union earlier, having played that. Like mm. compare yeah. the experience of how a rugby union, you know, referee is yeah. treated yeah. and how they communicate to players and vice versa with yeah. what we see in a footy game or we'll see in, you know, the FIFA World Cup tomorrow night. Yeah. You know, it's players incredible. getting an umpire's face. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, rugby, I, I don't know the origin, but... Um, yeah. Yes, sir. No, sir. And uh, <laughs> that's the uh, start and finish of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you see these um, big, big hulking forwards, um, you know, bowing before the referee, don't you? And, um, yeah, you've got a hundred and obviously just ingrained, yeah, ingrained in the sport from an early stage. Uh, yeah. The ref's the boss. And, yep. um, yeah, it'd uh, be nice if we, if we could take some of that uh, spirit into Aussie rules, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, and you even, I mean, you... You see it in junior footy where they've evolved to have what they call e-points now, yep. which is essentially, you know, they're saying the environment of the game, the off-field now rates on par with what happens on-field. Yep. So your team might win, but if you carry on like peanuts yep. off-field, yep. you're going to get is walk away with as many points as the team that lost but carried on properly. Yes. So, yep. you know, philosophically that's really interesting if, if Perth Footy League explored that and mapped that to senior, you know, to men and yep. women – because particularly some of our, you know, the male side of the competition that's done things the same way for 100 years, um, you know, they might sit there and say, you know, but we're adults, you don't need to, yeah. you know, put a nappy around us. Mm. But maybe if it's community footy and it's about, you know, good people coming together, yeah. <laughs> maybe we can explore that. <laughs> sure. Um, as a young Sam Birmingham, what did you enjoy at school? Uh, playing sport. <laughs> yeah. We had plenty of opportunity, didn't we, Will? Yeah, like boys are a bit. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm a little bit older than you, but um, not too much. But um, yeah, that was the definitely the thing that gave the week structure. Um, I went well at school. I, I think I probably look back and I reckon I left a bit, a fair bit on the table. Yeah. 
um, got through, you know, didn't work too hard, had made, you know, friends. We had obviously both went to the same school and had every opportunity and, and terrific teachers and support and resources and buildings and all that as well. Um, but, yeah, the sport that was probably the thing that gave it structure mm. <laughs> each week. Yep. And you look back and you go, I still reflect now, like, it's hard. And I've got a couple of young kids and um, we're not at the stage of ferrying them around for sporting and, yep. you know, ballet and everything yet. But I don't know how my mum particularly got us from, you know, school to local to district to state yep. rep to pick up the other, you know, sibling and yeah, and, and cook dinner and do the other. and Yeah. Then, yeah. Um, I can say as a, a parent, uh, in this case it was my wife driving uh, driving my youngest son to uh, swimming training this morning. Uh, probably left home at 5.30 to yeah. uh, be at the pool at 6. And uh, What day is it today again, Saturday? Uh, Saturday, bit of a <laughs> bit of an unusual one, but um, we, we are lucky living close to school. So, um, you know, sometimes the, the boys at least can uh, or have done over the past ride their bikes up to training or something like that, or it's not too far to go anyway. But, yeah, um, yeah it's uh, if, if your kids like playing sport like we did, yeah. Um, as you say, you know, you wonder how your parents did it and uh, and you find yourself doing it. But um, yeah, it's very, very rewarding, I guess, as a parent to see your kids, you know, if they're happy to uh, get out of bed and um, get stuck into training or whatever it is they want to do. It's um, yeah. There's something about it, even though you're not participating, you, you enjoy uh, vicariously, I guess, what they're up to. Well, and it gives you a chance to reflect on your own glories. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. No, I think, yeah, you're right. And it, well... I didn't realise at the time, people say it, you don't necessarily notice it, but it does teach you how to work together in, you know, in team environments. Yeah. It does teach you the importance of kind of routine and committing and, yeah. and you know, reflecting when you, you got out, you did something wrong, yes. what are you going to do next time? Like, yeah. they're actually tiny little life lessons. Yeah. Um, and again, sport just kind of tricks us, but because it's fun and yeah. it's accessible yeah. <laughs> and we can do it with our friends, we can then do it for our whole life. Um, yeah, I reckon it's one of the bits of community that kind of keeps us all, glues us all together. I agree. And, um, yeah, back to our footy, uh, you know, you see, and I'm sure you've seen it in amateur football and I've seen it in junior football, you know, you see a kid that may not be fitting in at school or, you know, may have issues in the classroom, but they come down and put their uh, club jumper on or sing the song after a game and, uh, you yeah. know, it's just a beautiful thing. Yep. It, it doesn't matter how you've played, you've been a part of it and hopefully done your best and um, there's a lot of uh, lot of character development out of that, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And again, that was always the thing that I enjoyed the most. It's not seeing the good player kick the goal, it's seeing the quiet player come out of his shell, yep. it's seeing the one who used to be carry on a bit, yep. you know, fall into line or yep. start role modelling the right behaviours. Um, yeah, it's it's seeing the ones that didn't really kind of know what they were doing mm. step up onto committees or help out or, yeah. Um, yeah, that was always the thing you get the glow out of. I said to someone earlier this week, my favourite moment was always, you know, uh, when someone would say, oh, would you be my referee? Yeah. And then you'd get the phone call from, you know, where they were going for a, a job. Oh, yeah. Um, like little things like yeah. that where, yeah, um, yeah that was the Very thing you get the kick out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, off to uni from school for you? Yep, yeah. So I went, graduated, 98, went straight to uni, didn't know what I wanted to do, still don't. Um, I just fell in on marks to do law. Yep. Um, and so I did it. I, was, I absolutely had no idea what I wanted to do. 
but the thinking was, well, I'm going to uni. I'm not going to take a gap year or anything. I've got the marks. I'll do it. Suck it and see. Um, uni was good at making friends. Yeah. Didn't work hard at all. Again, I left a lot of um, the academic side of it on the table, but did enough to get by. Um, but it looked back again on like some pivotal moments where I still probably my favourite, one of my favourite days of life, I reckon, was like the first day at uni on Oak Lawn where the circle, you had your group of mates at school and then all of a sudden, um, and there was one guy who sort of connected us all, um, who was the head boy of school, so he probably had relationships with the head, heads of three or four other schools, but all of a sudden there was ourselves, some uh, mates from JTC, um, you know, some Scotchies, some of the girls' schools, and all of a sudden your little mm. your little pod of five, ten, fifteen people becomes yeah. fifty. Yeah. Um, and again, some of those are my best mates now. Yeah. Um, one of them was the one who, yeah, to kind of trace it all back, made the call to get me down to the footy club in the first place. Yeah. Um, one of them was the first person I, you know, employed in a business. Um, they're the people I've been messaging all day when we're talking about the cricket or yeah whatever else yep. but um yeah sort of fell into uni i think i had a little bit of a pause or part-time in the second year third year fourth year before you know it oh, i'm almost there i might as well kind of finish now yep um but i still hadn't really found what i wanted to do um did you think you might be a lawyer it was one thing i knew i didn't want to do okay <laughs> um and that was at the time it felt weird because all my mates were going to do clerking and then articles and some are still you know practicing or partners yep. or whatever um my old man was a lawyer and then a judge after that and i i knew i didn't want to go down that okay. path um but i stuck with it got it done in the end i probably only finally at the very end started enjoying it's the wrong word but getting a bit more sinking my teeth yep. into it and that was once you started doing electives and there were things that were a bit more maybe creative yeah um, but yeah, ended up doing that five-year degree or double degree in six years. Um, did a bunch of working, running my own little projects and stuff along the way. Made lots of friends. Um, but yeah, it was kind of funny because I still didn't know what I wanted to do <laughs> and where I was going to end up. But perhaps back then you couldn't articulate it, but did you sort of have a sense that um, the fact you didn't know what you wanted to do, maybe it was to go and find a little project or germinate a seed of an idea into a business or something along the sort of startup line or yeah. entrepreneurial line. Yeah, I reckon it was absolutely linked to that and it probably sort of goes full circle because, again, it wasn't deliberate at the time, but then sort of three years out of uni, I ended up setting up my own little business and ultimately the purpose of it, I was creating a young network for young professionals, a yeah. big part of a network for young professionals. So early days of sort of social media and, um, you know, I'd seen what I liked about Facebook and LinkedIn and wanted to take, what I thought was the best of both and combine it. But at the end of the day, it was essentially as a young person, you know, and you go through this huge big life stage from I've gone through a structured education program, primary to secondary. I go into life after that. For some people, that's into the workforce, apprenticeship, TAFE, university, whatever it might be. But there's this kind of independence cliff you jump off yeah. and no one knows really where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, again, it wasn't by design, but when I reflect on it, I think what I was doing was kind of my own journey there of saying, well, I don't know where I'm going, but I always found the people I learned the most from for the ones who were a couple of years in front of me. Yes, your parents would always provide support or questions or guidance, 
um, you know, and their friends or your old teachers or whatever. But it was always the ones who were just a couple of steps in front that I thought were the best to kind of learn from. So, yeah, that was the um, the premise of setting up that business. And it, it was everything from, yeah, how do I choose what to do at uni or study to write a resume because I've never really had to do that. I've made yeah. that before. Or the other ones that I was really big on, my, my sort of passion for it was more around the financial side of things. So I was always interested in, you know, money and investment and, and all that sort of stuff. I was one of the first to buy a house amongst my, my group of friends. Um, but again, you're sort of flying blind. <laughs> um, and and I say this with the greatest respect, but like when you go to your parents for the feedback on that situation, they grew up in a very different time. So yeah. this was early 2000s. Um, and people still will talk now about, you know, interest rates were yeah. 17% back in my day, um, but houses were... 150 grand mm, yes <laughs> and I remember sort of the analogy of the first house I bought was a 64 square meter unit in Wembley and it cost essentially the same as my parents you know 1012 square meter block in Florida yeah <laughs> yeah um so it's hard to get advice as much as they yeah. w- would help it was this very different journey with the way the world had gone so I was keen the, the big vision was to um essentially create a financial services business or yeah, platform right. for for young professionals yep. um yeah so it was kind of fascinating made yeah. a lot of mistakes along the way learned a lot yeah had a few good stories and out of all that you had uh, or discovered a uh, passion for teaching yep yeah so um again the zigs and the zags that, that you never really know exactly where you're going i did that business for a while um at the end of it sort of well realized you know i've taken as far as i'm going to get it i'm knackered yeah <laughs> Um, I need to fix myself. Um, and then w- upon reflecting, realised that, okay, I've got a bunch of lessons that I can share. So I started really just kind of sharing those lessons through. I actually set up a, a meetup group just off, you know, well, I feel like this was a very lonely journey as a young entrepreneur. Maybe there's some others out there like me. Yeah. I'll just try spin something up. Yeah. So you give it a go. <laughs> and, yeah, ended up building this little network of um, – yeah, like-minded young people. Getting, we'd get one business person to come down and speak, um, and I would just because I was comfortable kind of being rejected. I'd just write the email and ask the question yeah, and find that all of a sudden you'd get these great people coming down all the way to like Michael Malone. So you know, yeah. like one of the more decorated yeah. entrepreneurs at the time, he came down and mucked in and spoke at our last oh, one. Oh, ended fantastic. up buying everyone drinks and dinner and the whole lot. Unreal. Um, but yeah, that then led me into this startup land, and then I sort of eventually realised I had this. Yeah, pivotal moment's kind of the wrong phrase. Um, but I had this sort of moment of clarity where I'd been holding on to all of the losses that I'd incurred, you know, financial yep. relationship, yep. time. Yep. And I was essentially looking at them as the sunk cost. <laughs> and then I realised, and sorry to use boring accounting kind of phrases, but I sort of said, actually, there's an, there's an asset there. Yeah. And I was able to then look forward and realise I've actually got all these stories and learnings and I quite like telling a story or I didn't think of myself as a coach or a mentor yep. or an advisor per se, but yeah, my description was I'll kind of pick off my scars and you can yep. <laughs> see the blood and you, you know, you can learn your own lessons. So I did a bit of informal kind of mentoring and things in startup land. And then I realized now I want to get into education again, back to kind of young people yep. always been one of the key themes. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that's where I can have my impact. So I started doing a dip ed, um, but again, found you know loved one unit hated another felt structurally the system wasn't for me but then out of the blue 
got asked to run a unit at UWA. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where you the dots make sense when yep. you look back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the time, there was no strategy to get to it. But, yeah, the people I'd met, the doors I'd opened, the, the walls I'd crashed through, um, yeah, they were looking to set up a unit about startups and innovation and stuff. So did that at UWA. Um, so, okay, I've got into education without having to go through yeah. the formal kind of interesting. paths. Um, and, yeah, zigged and zagged to do. I did a course at Murdoch as well, did some other programs through ECU and other things. It's yeah. still... Yeah, when I'm, as we were sort of saying off mic before, reflecting on career, it's still probably one of that's the big theme or one of the couple of big themes that's still probably, you know, a light that I'm kind of pulling towards. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know exactly what that looks like at the moment. Yeah. What uh, what are you doing today? You're um, you're doing some work still with startups and uh, some institutional groups? Little bits and pieces. I'm mainly, I mean, I do the, the board stuff with Perth Footy League to, yeah, Still got that community yep. kind of part of my values. Yep. Work-wise, I work at the RAC. Yep. Um, bit of a joke, but essentially I say that it was a uh, you know part-time six-month contract yep. and four and a half years later oh, I'm still awesome. there full-time. Um, it's coincided with the period of having a couple of kids. So, um, you know, turned up to the interview, got the job. At the time, you know, being candid, I was really just looking for a bit of stability of income. You know, yep. you're doing consulting, catching what you kill, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and okay, we've got kids coming on, a little bit of structure, bankable income, and then keep doing the stuff on the side for the cream. Yeah. Um, but quite liked the, uh, yeah, the people, the environment, the the big wooden ship, as I like to call it. Yeah. That, as you know, when you've got young kids, sometimes you really need. Yeah. Um, we had, yeah, a, the first one wasn't much of a sleeper, so we had, thanks for that. Um, yeah, just being able to have this place that was really supportive was, was huge for me. Um, toggled up and down, you know, three days, two days, four days, depending on what we needed, mainly on the home front. Yeah. But, um, yeah, before you know it, four and a bit years have gone by. And, um, yeah, I've, I've sort of evolved the role a couple of times, but it's still back to that core, you know, the innovation type stuff, mm. challenging the status quo. And, again, it maps to some of the things that I, I look back and see, you know, they're little Sam traits, yes. not yep. just me, but, you know, yep. I'm comfortable challenging yep. status quo. Some people don't like doing that in big organisations, um, but I'm comfortable doing it, yeah. so that's fine. <laughs> and does that tend to be with internal teams? Yeah, so, th- and this is kind of where it's worked well. So nowadays I work in an, an internal team there called the CoLab. So, mm-hmm. yeah, through a couple of the projects I helped on, um, yeah, we ended up through, yeah, my manager's um leadership and and the company evolving to being a member-centred organisation, running this little thing called the CoLab where we engage with members, um, external partners and also internal business units to, um, you know, pick up some of those ideas that might be, you know, sit on the business business plan or the the backlog for a while, um, but get out there and actually test those. Um, So, yeah, generally working with business units internally and in a nice connecting all these dots together way. The project I'm focused on at the moment is around volunteering. Yeah, right. So, yeah, at, at RAC, um, we've sat there and said, well, we've got 1.2 million members. How might we engage mm. um, and empower those people <laughs> to help us ultimately deliver on, you know, our sort of broader vision for a safer, sustainable, more connected WA? So when I heard that project was coming up, I sort of said, oh, I wouldn't mind having a crack at that one. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, Brilliant. yeah, I get to have conversations with members about their experiences, where volunteering's helped them or yep. they've been involved in it with partner organisations. So, 
yeah, it's definitely given me a bit of a lease of life on all that at the moment. Oh, and, great. Yeah, bring the worlds together. The uh, few few people better qualified uh, for that sort of role. We, I've met with some pretty good people. I'm not going to lie to you. So there's some pr- people out there doing amazing stuff, as you know. Um, so, yeah, you sort of sometimes, to be honest, feel a bit guilty when you leave those meetings where you're, you know, we're in discovery mode. We're trying to find out, you know, who's what doing what and what challenges they, they're facing yep. and little opportunities. And you sit there and think far out. You know, there's some outstanding people doing stuff with... Uh, unheralded. Know, yeah, just, you know, and it's the tens of thousands of dollars, um, you know, their entire operating budget for a year and they're having all of this impact on things. Make it go a long way. Yeah, you sort of sit there wishing that... And they don't let me spend the money, which is a very good decision, but you sit there thinking, like, as a society, yep. <laughs> like, where are our, our resources going? Because yep. <laughs> um, there's people d- that do amazing stuff with very little. Mm. Um how do we help them do a bit more of that? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever thought about a political career? Yeah. Yep. Um, still don't know if I'd get there. Yep. I, again, as I was saying off mic earlier, I just sort of recently, I've never been good at planning my career. Um, that can be a bit of a good thing. Mm-hmm. But every now and again, I think you have to sort of stop, look back, look forward. <laughs> well, a bit um, of it's what do you want to do with your life, isn't it? Those sort of questions. Yeah, like a little bit sort of philosophical. And I did that earlier this year. And, yeah, that's sort of one of the, the themes I still am interested in. I don't yep. know exactly what it looks like. I'll probably evolve my thinking a little bit to if that's one of the – I think about them as train tracks. Like mm. if that's one of the train tracks, maybe it's not being the politician per se, but yep. policy is really interesting. Yep. Also really like advocacy. Yep. Um, so maybe there's something in there I don't know. Mm. Um, I've been I was like fascinated to watch the federal election stuff, the the rise of the independence yeah. there. Um, and yeah, I, I wish I had kind of more time. I'd love to sit down. I've got some mates that I talk this stuff with. I'd love to sit down um, over a few beers one night and just really try to explore where we think. Yeah, <laughs> you know that side of the world's going yep. in institutions and societies and things. Yeah. Um, so that fascinates me still. Um, but yeah, not not sure if. Uh, if or when? Yeah, I'll look 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 forward to watching because I think, um, uh, as I, as I said at the start, you know, I was lucky to uh, meet you through community football, and um, I probably never really got the chance to thank you for everything you did down at uh, City Beach Oval and all the support you gave to the junior football club and people like Martin and Murray and myself. Um, you know, certainly without your involvement, nothing would have happened down there from a Capital Works project. I think you were the, the glue mm. and the driver for the whole mm. thing, and we were all just swinging along, trying to uh, help to the uh, best extent we we could. Yeah. Um, but I've always enjoyed keeping in touch with you, and I think you've um, you've done a lot of amazing things so far. And uh, I sort of feel like you're um, you're uh, you know triple century uh, and and salute to the grandstand still out there. And um, like you say, that who knows what what shape that is uh, but uh you know it, i've i've got to know you and i think you've got all the uh the skills and drive and capability and people skills um you're already making a great impact in the community and with all the things you've described and uh you know i'm sure there's a lot more to come yeah we'll see you've triggered me slightly talking about a triple century i'm still Never managed to, to raise the bat officially uh, in cricket, so <laughs> 78 not out. You've really got me going. <laughs> what but, could um, have been? Oh, if only. Yeah. I got into my head. Um, yeah, I think like a, a, a word you used in there that I love, it's one of my sort of values when I reflect on things is impact. And, 
yeah, again, reflecting back on club rooms and stuff, there's so many things I would have done differently had I done that now. Like I think one of my strengths, but absolutely the flip side, is I can be a blunt instrument. <laughs> and sometimes the blunt instrument, you know, eventually crashes through the rule. And I reckon I was a little bit of that yeah. back then. So I've sort of tried to reflect and recognise when that's a strength, yeah. but also when you need to dial it back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, impact's a key value to me. Like we're not here a long time yeah. <laughs> and nothing, I guess, frustrates me more than, yeah, seeing something that could be good or, yeah. you know, should be done, not get done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, still a work in progress as to how best to have impact and know where each of us want to, you know, <laughs> crack, yeah. crack through. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I'm glad you use that word. It's a, uh, it's one I think about a lot. Just uh, finally, do you do you feel like uh, as a father to uh, two young girls, you've, has that uh, changed your perspective on, um, you know, all the things you're involved in and how you uh, how you look forward? Yes, <laughs> I'm still finding my feet. So four and a half years in, I've learned a lot. Definitely things I'd do differently. Um, I think like uh, maybe a little bit of timeliness here. I was having, I went away, went bush with a mate on last weekend just briefly and we like to have philosophical kind of conversations and I already had a theme in mind with him and the question I asked as we were sort of driving to where we were going was how do you define success? And some people think about it in a professional sense or in a project sense or in whatever. And I was thinking about it in kind of more of a life reflection because, yeah, I think it is like it's – and where we ended up with our answers was at the end of the day it's really kind of the, friend, the, the, the relationships that you invest in, how, you know, you're perceived by <laughs> the people that you care about. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing that I'll – you know, I'd do anything for the girls. Like, yeah. you know, that's really kind of all I care about is – the people they become <laughs> mm. and yeah, that, that yeah, they sort of ultimate legacy rate and respect it? me. Yeah. I guess it's, um, don't want to get too serious on a Saturday afternoon, yep. but yeah, it's, um, it's pretty eye opening. You learn what the human body can do, <laughs> you know, like sleep and all that yep. sort of stuff. Yeah. Never take that for granted yes. again. <laughs> yeah. In the fold. Um, we haven't gone through the teenage years and that sort of stuff yet, but apparently that's quite fun. But, um, yeah, no, they're terrific. Yeah, good. Okay. Well, um, you've probably got some kids' parties to attend to, Christmas shopping to do. Weeds to pull out of the garden. Weeds. Lawn to mow. And um, you can put all that off with uh, just sitting back watching the cricket, uh, you know, if you're clever, well, how you play your cards. What's the score? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think uh, that uh, Gabba Pitch is doing a little bit of damage. Yes. So, uh, yeah, be an interesting test match. Well, thanks, Sam. Um, Great chat. I reckon we might uh, we might have to do something again down the track in in some form or other. But uh, um, you know, I'm really really thrilled you could come out this afternoon, and uh, it's been great uh, great talking to you. Yeah, now I've enjoyed the chat, and good on you for um, yeah getting it off the ground. It's oh, good. good on you. Thanks, Sam. Legend. Okay.